Welcome everyone to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney. Our goal here is to give you some actionable takeaways that will help you lead your teams. Thanks for joining us on this leadership journey. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Stepping Into Your Leadership. I'm your host, Christine Courtney, coach, facilitator, and president of the Leadership Program. And I am so excited for this episode because we have visiting us Erica Petrelli, one of my favorite people in the universe. Yay! Clap, wild applause for Erica. Our topic today is something that Erica is a master at. It is emotionally intelligent leadership. And we'll dig into what all of those words mean when you smush them together in a minute. But we're going to dig in this episode today into the reasons, the big why behind why this is so important, why it is such a hot topic in terms of the workplace. It's been something that's important in the social sciences for a while now, but now companies are kind of waking up going, holy cow, this is a big difference in how our people perform when we're really focused on not just their intelligence, but also their emotional intelligence and their social intelligence and how that relates to leadership. So without further ado, here's Erica. And also one note, Erica and I have worked together for now 23 years and counting, right, Erica? That's correct. Although there's no way that that's true, but that is true. <laughs> we're so young and spirited. Um, but anyway, it's great to have you. And I just, you know, I'm going to, I'm just going to pick your brain a ton today because I feel like if you've ever, and Erica has a following uh, where she goes, she's an amazing keynote speaker at tons of different conferences. She has a book called Wings and Whimsy. She's head of our leadership development at the leadership program. And wherever she goes, she has people who become converts to her style of leadership. So let's dig into this topic. Okay. So Erica, hard question first. Okay. How would you say that we define it? Let's just define the big why for folks, like what it is and why this is so important. Like, why are we talking about it today? Great. Oh, good, very good hard question to start. Um, I can rattle off sort of technical definitions, but um, the easiest way to understand emotionally intelligent leadership is that it's human-centered leadership so that traditionally we might recognize that as the soft skills of leadership as opposed to what has historically been known as or, or referenced to the hard skills of leadership. So emotionally intelligent leadership is definitely the softer side of leadership, which funnily enough, most people understand as they dig into it is actually the hardest kind of leadership there is. So those soft skills are actually as hard as they come. But it really is looking at all of the interpersonal and intrapersonal ways that that we relate to and connect with the people that we work with. So thankfully, as you referenced over the last couple decades, there's been a growing understanding in companies, both large and small, that that emotionally intelligent leadership, the human connection is where the sort of success or difficulties oftentimes lie. So it's a fantastic topic for anyone to be digging into, no matter the size of your organization, or just if as an individual, you're interested in looking at this for yourself. Yeah, that's great. I like to think of it too as emotional intelligence is kind of self-management, which relates to kind of self-awareness, self-regulation. Then there's this social intelligence aspect, which is the relationship skills. 
And then there's leadership, which to me, you know, we run a leadership development company. So I'm always looking at like, how are we defining leadership? How are we refining it? And so I think of leadership as influence meets responsibility. So if if you have all those things smushed together, self-management, relationship skills, and then influence and responsibility, you have a real chance of high performing teams, high performing companies. And that to me is exciting. You absolutely went straight to the heart of it. When people look at emotional intelligence, most often they're looking at four different competencies, self-awareness and self-management. So that's me looking and working on my own thoughts, feelings, and actions, and then followed closely by social awareness and relationship management. So it's all about recognition and regulation of what's going on with me and what's going on with those around me. And it's interesting the way you said it too. There was a recent study at UC Berkeley, I think, that said employees are four times more likely to stay at organizations longer and succeed um, more with leaders that they identify as having high social um, and emotional skills. So that employees are responding to leaders who are demonstrating these competencies with kind of astounding results, you know? Yeah, that's true. In our coaching work, we get lots more questions and lots more people focused on this than we ever have before. What's another good stat that you know of without putting you on the spot too much <laughs> that is going to make people go, oh, I got to listen to this, right? So people that are out there running companies or just really trying to make it through what's looking like a recession coming, like why focus on this or why doesn't this just go out the window as we you know, focus on that bottom line, so to speak? Well, it's funny because on the one hand, when you say, oh, we're talking about the softer skills of leadership, we're talking about emotional intelligence, I mean, it can be easy to say that's it's more intangible because we're talking about human to human skills. They're harder to kind of measure in a statistical way. On the other hand, there is a swelling amount of data that points directly back to emotional intelligence. And some of them sound almost made up because they're so ridiculous. So PepsiCo did their own internal, sort of like Google also did, kind of study of what's happening happening in teams that have leaders with self-described and noted by their peers, high emotional intelligence, and like the increase in return of the ROI on their own internal goals um, and benchmarks were like an increase of 1000%, your favorite kind of statistic, Christine, but seriously, like a 1000% increase in ROI, more kind of down to earth practical in return on investments that you see are 15 to 20% uh, increase in productivity by employees that demonstrate high emotional intelligence, up to 80% more engagement and retention of staff. So companies are starting to understand that employees that are able to work on their own emotional intelligence and are led by people who are demonstrating emotional intelligence work harder and stay at those organizations longer um, because they mm -hmm. feel seen, heard, and valued, which as we talk through emotional intelligence, that's ultimately what we're talking about is that I feel seen, heard, and valued, and I'm making sure my team does well. So the the results follow. Yes. And Erica's team always feels seen, heard, and valued. They tell me all the time. like, <laughs> And every other manager in the company is like, oh, I could just be a little more like Erica. She sends <laughs> cards all the time, <laughs> presents that will come in the mail for no reason. Who knows? So we're going to, in the next episode, we're going to dig into some of the tips that she has, some of her best tips for how to do this, how to build those emotional intelligence skills for yourself or your team. So be sure you listen in for that too. So, okay. Also, Erica, I also just read that there are over 70 titles on Amazon of emotional intelligence books. 
Isn't that crazy? I'm not surprised because suddenly it's an awakening that's happening right now. It took a long time. I think people resisted this truth for a long time because it ultimately we're talking about matters of the heart and people feel like matters of the heart historically don't belong in conversations of the workplace. And finally, people are understanding that those actually belong in the workplace. And so study after study after study. And like I said, Pepsi and Google and, you know, Gallup is doing nationwide surveys and MIT and everyone's jumping on this bandwagon to say, hey, guess what, everybody? We're noticing really positive results when we put intentional focus on emotional intelligence. So I'm not surprised that there's over 70 titles. I think we're only going to see that grow as more and more people reluctantly at first and then excitedly later once they start seeing the results buy into this. Yeah. I think also if you want more information, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about comes from the work of Daniel Goldman and some from Howard Gardner. I just saw that his emotional intelligence book is the most widely read social science book in the world now. Wow. So if you're wondering if people are interested in this topic of emotional intelligence, like, yes, they are. And really the key now to get ahead is how am I making sure that I'm constantly developing and training the leaders in my organization to do this and to model it for everybody else. And then it becomes a lot easier. So with that, give us a framework, Erica, for what some of, you know, Goldman and also Gardner and, you know, tons of other people I know that are Brene Brown that are really focused on this in the workplace. What's the kind of framework that is used the most to think about it? Yeah. So the the most common are the four competencies that I mentioned earlier. You'll see others because when you kind of unpack each of them, there's dozens of skills underneath each one. So, so people will take different lenses when you look at it, but most commonly and probably the most approachable way to look at emotional intelligence is to look at the four main competencies, starting with self-awareness, which is really thinking about how am I thinking and feeling in any given situation? And in my opinion, more importantly, why am I thinking and feeling that way? So really encouraging and asking ourselves to dig into what's coming up for me in terms of my thoughts and feelings and where might those thoughts and feelings be stemming from. And those that why question can include everything from because I'm tired and I haven't eaten today and so I'm a little off my game to because of my age, my background, my experiences. So the why is, is a vast question, but for many of us, even that very first step into emotional intelligence is something new that we aren't accustomed to working on. So self-awareness is the kind of the first step dipping our toes into emotional intelligence. After that is self-management, which is what am I doing about how I'm thinking or feeling, right? That's my choices of action. It's the way I send the text. It's the way I communicate in an email, the choice I make in my response. So my self-management is, is still with me. What are the choices of behavior that I'm making? Again, for many leaders and teams, these aren't things that we've given in intentional focus to until very recently. Then we have the opportunity to then expand that kind of perspective to our teams. So next up is social awareness, which is, well, what's going on with you, Christine? How are you thinking or feeling in this moment? And where are they similar to what I'm thinking and feeling? And where might they be different and why? It's a real opportunity for curiosity and reflection. And all of those three things lead to strengthening relationship skills, which is effective communication, effectively dealing with conflict, really intentional looking at the whole person 
of each member of my team as opposed to just the tasks at hand. So that's a simple, but even as you can tell probably in my explanation, it's a simple framework with a lifetime of work you know, behind it. It's not ever something that we're like, check, I did the emotional intelligence work, I'm done now, what's next? We spend our lifetime working on it. Yeah. But with that framework, we have the language and the tools to do it every day. What I love about it, the way you just laid it out is that this is exactly what makes us like better human beings. This helps our relationships overall. Now the workplace is just waking up probably since the nineties or so to say, wait a minute, we've got to, we've got to employ these things that work in our personal lives uh, at work as well. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, you and I are of a certain generation, We like to think we're young ones, but, you know, we're of a we're of an older generation, which historically really had a mindset of work and play or work versus home. And those two things were separate. And I think that was a barrier to emotionally intelligent leadership and the work of emotional intelligence in the workplace. And I think there's a great blessing in the kind of the younger generation coming into the workplace saying work is a part of my life. Um, And I bring myself to work, which is one part of my life, but my whole self um, is something that I'm working on in no matter what I'm doing, which includes my work, meaning there's less of a separation. So I think that that idea of um, it's all like it's all inclusive um, is really something that the, the younger generations behind ours have helped us understand which is why you are seeing it more in in more um, kind of intentional out loud focus in these last few years. Great. Okay. So what do you, you know, one of the things about this podcast that I want to be is that we're sharing also stories where it's not always great. Like we don't always know things. Certainly you and I are on a leadership journey, but we're by no means, you know, towards the end of it. But so what are some, you know, as we go through today, I'm going to just push you two and myself to share some of those things where we haven't always been good, or we haven't done these things, or maybe we haven't self-managed like we could have so that people out there can also maybe see parts of themselves or where they are in their leadership journey too, you know? Yeah. It's important. And I have to say, you know, just you saying that I started to get, I started to cringe a little inside because I can still, I mean, I can pull up so many, I can just pull up a bucket of examples of ways that I totally missed the mark on this. Um, And some of them are, were early in my management. And I think this is a common mistake early in management is that I'm doing what I think is the right thing to do as a manager. And I'm completely, um, disregarding the fact that there's a human on the other side of this right thing that I'm trying to do. I think that a lot of managers, early managers especially, make that mistake of, well, this is the right next step um, on paper. And as a result of this right next step, I'm, I'm very disrespectful um, and disregarding of the human on the other side. So as an example, I just like early in my management, um, there was an employee who had, who had um, a growing list of things they were doing wrong for what was expected of the job. You know, um, and it was it was very clear, cut and dry. This person is is not following their the expectations that we had very clearly laid out. Whether it was showing up late, um, missing missing administrative tasks, um, not being respectful to the their supervisors, et cetera, et cetera. There was a list of things. So, as a supervisor, I was right to say we have to sit down for a performance improvement type of conversation. Um, but I was so focused on the, these are the things you've done wrong, um, that I didn't stop for a minute to think why, 
what what is going on in your life that might be causing these things to happen instead this poor person um came in for a meeting that i had scheduled and brought in like an army of witnesses to to like <laughs> to you look in your face i'm like i know it's terrible it was not just me having a one-on-one -on -one. it was worse than that it was me plus a couple people who had been a part of this you know employees struggles and just went straight into wait, wait a second wait oh, a second i have i have to clarify something okay. are you saying not that i'm shaming you i'm just shame trying away to clarify are you saying that you went into this performance improvement conversation and you brought the army of people oh yeah you brought now, witnesses Oh yeah, they were people that this employee worked with. But I mean to say, in the host of mistakes I made in this moment, I mean, and there's abundant examples of mistakes in this one example alone. I it wasn't I had such little respect for what was going on with this person that it was like let's have this conversation as a group chat, um, so others can like validate what I'm saying to you of how you're falling down on the job. That's that's terribly disrespectful. And two, um, I just launched straight into the here's what you're doing wrong. And it's A, B, C and D without any sort of preamble of I have some concerns or I'm wondering if something's going on with you. Um, I mean, it was just it was exactly textbook, the opposite of emotional intelligence. It was emotional ignorance, because the thing is, as a and as a manager, again, like the, there can be evidence that there's a person whose uh, performance is not meeting the standards of the job. And so you hide behind this idea of, well, I'm right because they're not meeting the standards of the job. That has nothing to do with emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence says, I'm going to find the story behind the story, right? Um, this idea of what is going on with you and let me start with curiosity and compassion and empathy. And then through there, we can talk about I have this compassion and empathy for what's going on. And there's a gap here because we have these expectations on the job and you're not meeting them. How can we work together to find a solution? Um, that's emotionally intelligent leadership. Mine was, let me count all the ways that you're failing with people to watch the parade. You know, it was, it was terrible. And that's just one example, Christine. That's just one example um, of ways where, I'm go ahead. I just wanted to jump in just, hi, everybody. Uh, just to say, one of the things that's interesting about the story you just shared, Erica, is that what people don't talk about is the cost, right? So like, what it sounded like in your story, and I'm not sure is that that conversation was like leading to a firing. Yeah. And you, how expensive it is to hire someone. Right. And how long it is to train someone. So like this step of emotional intelligence and it, this step of emotional intelligence really is a um, cost effective way of trying to get someone back on track at work without having to train a brand new person and the hiring process. Yeah, it's absolutely right, Tatiana, because we when we talk about this, um, the um, the kind of coaching, the actual coaching um, commitment that oftentimes we make in organizations um, means I'm actually, I, I need to believe that you are going to, um, you are going to meet these expectations. Whereas in my example, I clearly did not believe that this person was going to make any change. Like it looked like my only goal was to publicly humiliate this person as opposed to being committed to, you know? Yeah. And I think 
hi Tatiana, first of all. That's Tatiana Dominguez. <laughs> Do I er, Tati, are you wanting me to introduce you there and then put that in? Or I just want to make sure I don't like, Do, like that would who be is so this great. person? Um hi <laughs> hi Tatiana. Hi. 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 I just um it just resonated so strongly with me. You know, I was just trying to stay quiet in the background and I was like I have to say this. Well, everybody, this is Tatiana Dominguez, my absolute right-hand person in in uh, at work and our uh, VP of of operations. So thanks Tati for jumping in. You're you're so right. You've hit the nail on the head with that is that these things not only are being the right way, so to speak, quote unquote, right, but it's also what's going to uh, be good for the business, right? And it is people are expensive, and we we saw that with the Great Resignation. How how much work it is to get people in that even if they're struggling, um, you know how we handle those conversations. It doesn't mean you don't have them, but that you have them carefully. Erica, what I loved about your story too is that's such a good example of some of somebody who's really nice, like you are, kind of wanting like other people to back you up <laughs> in in this meanness. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah. and how we protect ourselves, you know, especially if you have any pleaser instinct in you, like I do. Um, how we want to protect ourselves by saying it's not just me that thinks this right it's look it's there's evidence everywhere i what you said was really important though christine about it's not that we don't have these conversations um critics of emotionally intelligent leadership oftentimes the thing that they hold on to as a criticism is that it means you're just letting everyone you know we're just being so nice all the time we're letting everyone do whatever we're not holding people accountable to standards because we're so empathetic and compassionate with what's going on in people's lives and that is absolutely not the truth of emotionally intelligent leadership so emotionally intelligent leadership doesn't say we don't have high standards and expect our staff our team our employees to meet those standards it says we understand that there are that everyone is on a journey um, and we're committed to working together towards success um, and understanding what might be going on. You know, we have a we have a staff member that works uh, at the leadership program who's responsible for probably the majority of the performance improvement type conversations that our company has. Um, and, you know, he's legendary for people leaving conversations with him that are difficult conversations about their falling down on the job, leaving feeling amazing crying with joy, feeling so grateful that they just had this conversation with him. Um, and the conversation was, this is where you're not, you're not doing X, Y, or Z. But because he has emotionally intelligent leadership, he's saying, I'm on your side, I'm on your team, let's figure this out together. Uh, it's, a, it's a subtle but really important distinction because this is, where, this is where people who want to dismiss emotional intelligence, this is where they'll do it because they equate it with lack of expectation. And that's simply not the truth or the case at all. I think what's in oh sorry I just think what's interesting about your example too is that people might potentially wait to have those conversations right so like in your example and it's such a good one because you it's like a mountain of evidence yeah. as opposed to like oh this something's off the the first time like hey I'm just checking in right like I think that's where people might get confused too is that it's not a progression of like I'm going to let a whole bunch of things happen like this is a regular occurrence. Yeah. This isn't. Brene Brown talks about that as minding the gap, um, which is the gap between if, if there's something that you 
an action that you take that I perceive in some way as hurtful, offensive, um, disappointing. There's something, there's an interaction between you and me, right? And, and I perceive some kind of hurt or wrong in that moment. If I don't address it right away, a gap is created. And the longer I don't address it, the more evidence I collect from you that you are constantly that thing or that behavior. Um, and the gap gets bigger and bigger on my end. And you're not even aware there's a gap that exists. So it's a great disservice of me to you because you're not even aware it's happening. Whereas to your point, if in that first moment where a gap has been created, if I say, hey, Tatiana, do you have a minute to talk? I want to clarify something. Um, or this, I, I, I may have misunderstood what you meant by it still can be vulnerable and uncomfortable, but it's usually so much easier um, if I do it right in that moment than I if I've waited um, for that mountain of evidence. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So if we know that emotional intelligence and the social intelligence kind of SEL, as we say, you know, we hear the term SEL as social emotional learning. We, you know, so much of the work that that our company does is in the world of education. But instead of kind of social emotional learning, we kind of recoin it social emotional leadership, right? And it's always leading to performance. That's what I think is the key that people don't understand. It's not just sitting there kind of, you know, navel gazing. It's we're doing these things of looking at ourselves, aware of our own emotions, looking at other people and how to get the most out of them leading to better performance management. And that means for teams, for individuals and for the organization, right? And how absolutely, um, and how all of those things that lead to performance can be exhilarating. Then you are truly living a very, uh, aware and, uh, actionable existence, right? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that I always, you know, struggle with, with leaders of companies when I meet with them or we're in a coaching session or they're struggling is how much time to give to this, to the pressures that they feel of meeting goals and objectives. Mm -hmm. And it always seems like it's one is at the expense of the other. And what I'm trying to figure out is how do we bring those two things together in people's minds that this is worth the investment, you know? Yeah. Well, the first thing that came to my mind when you said that is one is at the expense of the other, but not in the way that you, that people say it, right? I have to choose emotional intelligence or choose meeting these KPIs, right? I can't have both at the same time, but one is at the expense of the other. If, if you come together, if you bring your team together you're the leader and you are focused, laser focused on those KPIs, whatever the goals are, whatever project you're working on um, with such tunnel vision that you don't pause for two minutes at the beginning to say, how's everyone doing? What's going on? Particularly in the last two and a half years when there's been a constant undercurrent of both personal and social and, and global things going on. Um, if you don't take two minutes at the beginning to just say, let's look at each other and say, hi, how are you doing? What happens is the whole team is still in whatever state of mind or heart that they were in. They're less inclined to be able to focus with you on those goals. 
So by not taking two minutes at the beginning, um, it is the expense of having your team fully focused. So people, I think, have a misconception of, of, oh, does that mean I need to give hours and hours of just listening to people talking every week to be emotionally intelligent in my leadership? No, you just need to be aware that humans have come together. Um, and so start with the human connection and then get to the work, you know? I know for myself, if I'm having an incredibly difficult time um, and you just start by saying, hey, Erica, how are you? And I can say, you know, I'm kind of struggling right now. Um, and you say, I'm so sorry to hear that. And I say, thank you. I'm that's all I need. And then I'm ready to focus. You know, I just need that moment of acknowledgement. I don't need to spend the whole hour talking to you about why I'm struggling. I just need the moment of acknowledgement that I am versus if you're like, hey, Erica, we've got a deadline on Friday. So I something's going on with you. We don't have time for that today. And let's get to work. Um, then I'm going to then my struggle is going to be at the forefront, if that makes sense. So right. as a leader, all we have to do is acknowledge. And then most of the time people are ready to move on. But if we don't acknowledge, people struggle to move on because they're then not only am I dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, but now I've got a growing resentment towards you <laughs> as my leader who's not acknowledging that I'm a human who's dealing with something. So I think, you know, to say to people that are like, nobody's got time for that. Everybody has time for that. You don't have time not to pay attention to this. Um, and it takes much less time than you think it will. Yes. Thank you for that note, Erica. I may, I, I'm going to try to remember that. That's a good one for me too. You, you reminded me cause I have a, a client struggling with that right now. Um, you just gave me a good way to approach it with him. One of the things too, that, um, if you're somebody out there, like I am when I'm about to start like a big staff meeting, and this has happened a lot recently, I would say probably every staff meeting. You know, our big staff meetings where there's lots of people there and there maybe every six weeks is there seems to be that there's always something going on in the world that affects people greatly, whether that's COVID, whether that's um, uh, the Supreme Court, whether it's January 6th, whatever, whether it's the George Floyd, Floyd killings, whatever it is. I always feel like, oh, I can't possibly meet this moment. I can't possibly have the words to talk about this in a way that's, that is what's driving, you know, people crazy right now. And I really just need to focus on my little world, which is this company and what we need to do next. And so my instinct is to want to avoid all of those conversations and just dig into what we all have in common, which is the work. What happened to me now is that I realized because we've had to do it so often in these past two years is I give myself permission to not have to lead that conversation, but to just meet the moment by putting the questions out there, giving them a couple minutes at the beginning to share the challenges that they're feeling right now or what's going on with them. And I don't mean as a big group. So if you're panicked that you're going to have to facilitate a big group talking about this, I just put them and say, okay, you know, meet up with one other person, two other people in a group. When the music stops, we all play music. When the music stops, find a group of three or turn to the partner next to you, turn to someone at your table. However, is it can work for your meeting and then say, just discuss some of the challenges that you're feeling either in your work, in your personal life or in the world right now. Mm -hmm. Give them a couple minutes, whatever they're, they're comfortable with, they'll share. 
Then you have them turn and do it again with other people. And this time you say, share some of the things you're grateful for. Share some of the successes. Share something positive that happened to you, right? They do that. Then they come back and I have somehow met the moment without me having to feel like I have to jump into those murky waters and like lead something that I don't really feel frankly competent to do with a large group all the time. Yeah. I think there's so much important, um, there, there are so many nuggets in what you just said, because first of all, where you ended this idea of, I think this is another pitfall. I certainly fell into it. Um, I think I catch myself more um, kind of the longer I'm in position of leadership, but that this idea of I have to have the right answer, I have to know how to lead with my words and understanding that this, so bringing it to emotionally intelligent leadership is just understanding that um, I need to create um, a holding space. Um, and the the truth and the trick, right, about emotional intelligence, which is where self-awareness and social awareness comes into play, is that um, moments that really hit me hard might not hit you at all, and vice versa. Moments that really speak to you um, might not even be on my radar. And neither one of us is right or wrong because there are truths, there are moments. So that the idea of meeting the moment is tricky too because everyone has different moments um, and issues where we feel strongly about and issues that we we don't. Um, and that's okay too. So the way you presented it is really nice because it's just about I'm holding space for every individual to share their truth about something that might be challenging, hard, hurtful, heartbreaking for them in the moment. Um, and then also something that they're grateful for. And then you're not sort of dictating that or deciding what is. Um, you know, I, I don't, as a leader, I shouldn't be deciding what's hard or easy, what's important, what's not important. Part of emotionally intelligent leadership is understanding that we all come to the table with our own experiences. And so the best thing I can do is just create a space for those experiences to be shared. Love it. Thank you for that. On a last note, because in our next segment, please join us because we're going to talk about actionable tips to do all of these things, to get better at all these competencies. Have your leaders in your organization listen to it because it will help them and for you too. But for now, Erica, just to put you on the spot, what's one of your favorite quotes about this subject? Well, that is an easy, it's not on the spot because you have no idea. I have a cheat sheet right here for it because one of my favorite quotes about emotional intelligence is one that I've never been able to memorize exactly, but I use it every time I talk about emotional intelligence. Douglas Cannot, who's the former CEO of Campbell's Soup and then after retiring from Campbell's Soup, created a leadership institute. So he's done a bunch of talks that have been blessedly recorded for us to hear and learn from. Said for me, one of the most impactful things I think I've ever heard in the subject of emotional intelligence. So I don't have to memorize it because I have it on a sticky note on my computer. So I'm just going to read it because he says it better than I could, which is even a brief interaction can change the way people think about themselves, their leaders, and the future. Each of those many connections you make has the potential to become a high point or a low point in someone's day. And the reason I love it, and when I, don't, when I don't grab this off my computer, I just say to people, remember that every single interaction has the potential to make someone's day immeasurably better or send it off the rails. And we know this by experience when a brief interaction, somebody's rolled their eyes at us or hasn't responded quickly enough, 
or responded in a way that we perceived as a little bit snarky maybe, or just less attentive than we wanted it to, that can stay with us for the entire rest of our day. And vice versa, when we're given that kind of boost from someone. So I hold that literally on my computer to remember when it comes to emotional intelligence, the potential impact I have, there's an opportunity in every interaction. Great. Thank you. I will hold that today and try to make it come true for folks that I interact with. Thank you so much, Erica. It was a pleasure being with you today and this podcast. And Erica is going to stick around for our next one. So hopefully you'll join us for some actionable tips on how to increase your emotional intelligent quotient. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Hey, everybody. Greg Shammy here. As we're closing out today's episode, I've got an awesome opportunity for your new managers and people leaders. Starting May 1st, our transformative eight-week online course called Leadership Learning Lab will kick off. In this course, managers will learn how to build trust and engage their teams, communicate more effectively, and empower themselves and others to achieve success. Imagine if early in your career you had learned how to master the art of impactful feedback or how to navigate performance conversations with ease, and even how to delegate effectively. This course is an investment in your team to help your company grow and achieve ultimate success. It's an opportunity that will help your people transform their leadership skills in just eight weeks. Spots are limited. Pre-sales open right now. This is a chance to get ahead and secure spots for your team members at a 10% discount. Use the code PRESALE, one word. Click on the link in the show notes for more info. And thank you so much for joining Christine today. I look forward to seeing your team in our Leadership Learning Lab.